Welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids, and your host this month. So much of what we do as parents flows from our mindsets about what our role should be. Today, I want to introduce you to two common parental mindsets that have been identified by a leading scholar, concerted cultivation and accomplishment of natural growth. After discussing their pros and cons, I'll propose a third option, a mashup of the first two, which I call cultivated environment. My goal is to help you find a kind of sweet spot in your parenting. On the one hand, you want to offer your child strategic guidance to help them develop the knowledge, skills, and character strengths they need to thrive. On the other hand, you want to grant plenty of autonomy to your child beginning early so they learn how to cope with challenges and develop their own cares and commitments. This balance is what the Raise Ready Kids strategy, Cultivated Environment, aims to achieve. To get us started, I want to introduce you to the work of Annette Leroux, a sociologist who has spent decades studying the mindsets and strategies of American parents. She's identified two major parenting styles that she calls concerted cultivation and accomplishment of natural growth. Leroux is interested in how these styles relate to economic and social class in America, but we're going to focus primarily on the strategies themselves and their potential impact on children. Parents who practice concerted cultivation believe that they need to be highly involved in their children's development so that their children can access opportunity and have a good life. They read and talk to their children frequently, and they enroll them in lots of enriching activities like sports and music programs. As LaRoe says, they view parenting as a hands-on, labor-intensive project. Their involvement extends to schooling, too. Parents who practice concerted cultivation often get involved as volunteers in their children's school, in part so they can build what you might call influence capital. They believe their involvement will give them leverage when, down the road, their child needs some extra support from teachers. They also spend quite a bit of time monitoring and supporting their children's homework. As the name suggests, concerted cultivation involves a lot of work, and it helps to have money. In contrast, parents who practice accomplishment of natural growth focus on providing their children with the basics, like food, shelter, love, and books, and then expect that their children will naturally grow to maturity. Like parents who practice concerted cultivation, they read and talk to their children, but they're less inclined to think of their children's education as a big-deal project that should take a large amount of time and money. Give children the basics, they reckon, and they'll figure things out on their own. Parents who practice accomplishment of natural growth also relate to schools differently. Whereas practitioners of concerted cultivation pay attention to what is happening in the classroom and aren't afraid to be critical of teachers, practitioners of accomplishment of natural growth trust teachers and rarely criticize them. It's not their place to tell teachers what to do. That would be like telling your surgeon what to do. They also tend to think of education as the school's responsibility not the families. As LaRoe says, concerted cultivation is like raising a plant in a hothouse where you're constantly pruning and tinkering with the soil. Accomplishment of natural growth is what happens when you put the plant in a nice corner of the yard where it gets rain and sun and you don't fuss with it so much. LaRoe expresses no personal preference between concerted cultivation and accomplishment of natural growth. 
Each kind of childhood can provide us with experiences that inform and enrich our lives in innumerable ways, she says. Concerted cultivation may help children access more opportunity, but the price is loss of freedom. Concerted cultivation may better prepare children to compete in the modern economy, but accomplishment of natural growth may better prepare children for success in life in a broader sense. Concerted cultivation certainly has its advantages when it comes to learning. Children with parents who believe they are full partners with schools in fostering children's education probably learn more during their school years, and they may be more likely to see learning as integrated with and integral to their life. All those organized activities, art classes, sports teams, museum visits, help children develop their natural talents and social networks. Parents who practice concerted cultivation also spend more time teaching their children what you might call the rules of the game. How to ask for extra help in school. How to apply to college. How to get a summer internship and how to dress for a job interview. Support that makes it more likely that children will find their way through college and into the middle class. But accomplishment of natural growth has its advantages too. Children raised this way enjoy more autonomy than children raised with concerted cultivation. They spend more time building relationships with extended family and neighbors, creating their own games and activities, and working through conflicts on their own. These activities help them develop resilience and social skills that are likely to serve them well in the long run. In fact, Leroux found in her research that children raised with accomplishment of natural growth usually get along better with their siblings and parents and have relationships with a broader range of aunts, uncles, and grandparents. Their parents are more likely to teach them to respect adults in positions of authority, and they are less likely to project a sense of entitlement. I mentioned earlier that Leroux studies the relationship between parenting approaches and economic class in America. It will probably not surprise you to hear that middle class and affluent parents are more likely to practice concerted cultivation, while working class and poor parents are more likely to practice accomplishment of natural growth. Some of this difference is directly related to money and social class. It's much easier to enroll your child in enrichment programs if you have money. And parents who have been to college and have well-paying jobs are in a better position to guide their children through the maze of standardized tests, school applications, and job applications that leads to life in the American middle class. There's evidence in recent years that poor parents have been adopting some of the strategies of rich parents and vice versa. Lower-income parents are reading more to their children and helping more with homework. At the same time, higher-income parents are recognizing that concerted cultivation can be taken too far. In my work with schools, I regularly hear stories about parents going overboard in their advocacy for their children. Teachers tell me about parents who accuse them of allowing their children to be bullied before even inquiring about the teacher's perspective on the situation, or who complain about a grade their child has been given without expressing much interest in the teacher's reasoning. There's a saying among educators that education is about preparing the child for the path ahead. For this to happen, children need to experience failure as well as success. Failure teaches important lessons and helps children develop the resilience they'll need to cope with life's inevitable setbacks. Increasingly, though, teachers are encountering parents whose mindset is to prepare the path for their child. These parents remove barriers so that their children experience as little failure and as much success as possible. Needless to say, this kind of parental behavior causes headaches and heartaches for teachers.
These days, I see plenty of parents who practice concerted cultivation questioning themselves about where they should draw the line, largely because they're seeing negative impacts on kids. According to the National Institutes of Mental Health, a third of young Americans, one-third, will experience anxiety disorders by the time they turn 18. Fully 22% of seven-year-olds, you heard that right, are sufficiently anxious that psychologists would classify them as having an anxiety disorder. Psychologists talk about several ways that concerted cultivation could foster children's anxiety. For starters, to the extent that concerted cultivation is being driven by parents' anxiety, children are likely to absorb some of that stress. Feeling constant pressure to live up to their parents' expectations, children may fail to develop their own expectations of themselves. Also, when parents proactively remove potential sources of stress in children's lives, children don't get practice tolerating discomfort, practice they need to build their capacity to manage the stress that inevitably comes with growing up. Huck Finn in the classic American story, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, might be the ultimate poster boy for accomplishment of natural growth. After Huck runs away from his abusive father, he teams up with an escaped slave named Jim, and together they make their way down the Mississippi River toward New Orleans. Along the way, Huck learns about river navigation, survival, friendship, justice, and much more. Huck Finn reminds us that personal growth can flourish with freedom. If we relentlessly cultivate our children, they might not have enough opportunity to discover the world on their own and develop their own vision for the kind of human being they want to be. Society may suffer too, as social progress depends on young people challenging their elders and bringing forth new ideas. For all these reasons, middle-class and affluent parents are recognizing that organized activities like art classes and sports teams are good for their child, but so is time spent staring into space. Yes, they want their child to do well in school, but they also want them to develop the curiosity and creativity that comes from making some of their own choices. And amidst today's growing focus on racial and economic justice, some affluent white parents are asking themselves, just how much cultivation of my own kids is too much? If I pull out all the stops in an effort to ensure that my child enjoys the same affluent life that I have, is that really fair in the larger scheme of things? So these are some of the advantages and disadvantages of concerted cultivation and accomplishment of natural growth. The third approach I want to introduce you to today, what I call cultivated environment, mixes and matches elements of these two styles with the goal of bringing out the best and avoiding the worst of each. The idea is to raise a child who is ambitious for learning and who also feels a sense of ownership of their own path. It's the parenting approach that I practice and that I recommend. Cultivated environment combines a solid amount of concerted cultivation with a healthy dose of the Zen mindset of accomplishment of natural growth. Read and talk to your child a lot. Pay attention to where your child goes to school. Get involved as you are able and be an advocate for your child. But be a moderate when it comes to signing up your child for activities. Even if you have plenty of money, say no to the arms race of more, more, more sports activities, tutoring, and camps. Balance time and organized activities with time for your child to make neighborhood friends or just stare into space. With cultivated environment, you're trying to find a wise balance. You recognize that children need downtime and freedom, as well as stimulation and high expectations. 
and you're focusing less on cultivating the child per se, and more on providing an environment that gives them plenty of opportunity to learn and grow. With this mindset, you pay plenty of attention to the process of raising children, but you let go of particular expectations about the result. Letting go of expectations helps you find a place of calm that benefits your child as well as yourself. Let's explore what cultivated environment might look like in practice, considering five key aspects of children's lives. Physical environment, parents as role models, children's relationships, parent-teacher relationships, and extracurricular activities. For starters, practitioners of cultivated environment pay lots of attention to the physical environment their children are growing up in. They want their child to read a lot, so they put books everywhere. They want them to experience the growth and pleasure that comes with social play, so they try to build strong relationships among neighborhood families and cultivate a culture that encourages free play. They want their brains to be fresh as they move through the world, so they pay a lot of attention to sleep, exercise, and nutrition. They also think about other physical aspects of their environment, such as the toys and puzzles that are lying around the house. Second, practitioners of cultivated environment understand that children learn a great deal just by watching their parents. They understand that their greatest influence comes not so much from instructing their children, but rather inviting and supporting their children to participate in the culture of the family. They want their children to read, so they read themselves. They want their children to ask good questions, so they try to ask good questions themselves. As the writer James Baldwin once said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Third, practitioners of cultivated environment care a lot about children's relationships. They want their children to grow up with close relationships with family, neighbors, friends, and peers who care for them and who model admirable character strengths. They want their children to grow up surrounded by interesting people who support them with unconditional love. Like practitioners of concerted cultivation, practitioners of cultivated environment talk a lot with their children, but they do this less because they want to ensure that their children are among the top students at school, and more because they want their children to see learning as integrated with and integral to life, and they enjoy sharing the delight of discovering the world together. Practitioners of cultivated environment aim to immerse children in ideas and values that matter during conversation at the dinner table, through books, at gatherings with friends and relatives, in volunteer work, and perhaps at church. While they give children space to go their own way, they also invite them to participate in activities and conversations with adults. They recognize that the cultural water in which their children swim as they move through home, school, and community is a more potent influence than any parenting techniques they may practice. Fourth, practitioners of cultivated environment pay a lot of attention to schools and other institutions that are critical partners in raising children. They look for schools with values and programs that are consistent with their vision for their child's growth and development, and they're interested in finding schools with teachers who are good at building relationships, as well as providing instruction. Because they're focused more on managing the environment and less on managing their children's success, per se, practitioners of cultivated environment don't worry too much about their children's daily academic and social experiences. They understand that there will be times that they get low grades, get bullied, and go through social trauma. They support their children as they deal with these kinds of hurdles, but they also recognize that children will be better off in the long run if they're allowed to struggle a bit. 
They want the school to communicate about significant challenges, and they welcome straight talk from teachers about where their children have room to grow. They agree with their children's teachers that failure is a part of growing up. They recognize their children are probably going to learn more from their failures than from their successes. And once they find a good fit school, they back off and put trust in teachers. They consider teachers competent until proven otherwise. They offer trust as a gift both to their children and to the school. When they encounter teachers who are truly incompetent, they work with other parents to call attention to the problem, challenging and supporting the school to live up to its own statements about the kind of education children deserve. Finally, practitioners of cultivated environment look for extracurricular experiences that engage and delight their kids. They look for adults who love to share what they do with children and who are committed to excellence in their field. It doesn't matter so much what the activity is exactly. It could be athletics, music, scouting, or other things. What matters is that their children enjoy it and are often being invited and supported to pursue excellence in the context of that activity. It takes plenty of work to practice cultivated environment, maybe just as much as concerted cultivation. Practitioners of cultivated environment aren't looking to save time. Rather, they're determined to give their children the benefit of self-determination, along with the guidance and support they need to develop to their full potential. So while they have ideas about the environment, relationships, and values their children should grow up with, they leave it to their children to figure out how to take these raw ingredients and mix them together to create a life for themselves, beginning when they are young. They do not hold themselves responsible for what kind of career their child ultimately chooses, or how much money they will make, or which exact values will guide their decisions or whom they will love, and at some fundamental level, they don't care. They recognize their own limitations and their need to protect their children and themselves by letting go. Cultivated environment combines the best features of concerted cultivation and accomplishment of natural growth. It provides many of the rich experiences characteristic of concerted cultivation, but in a more balanced and relaxed way. It allows children to experience much of the freedom inherent in accomplishment of natural growth, but within the context of an environment that fosters robust learning. When I practice cultivated environment, my commitment is twofold. To bring out the best in my children by paying careful attention to the environment they grow up in, and then to set them free to use their growing capabilities as they see fit. I have faith that my children will find different and perhaps even better paths forward for themselves and for society than I did, even if their ideas sometimes make me uncomfortable. How about you? Where do you fall on the spectrum between concerted cultivation and accomplishment of natural growth? What do you think about cultivated environment as a strategy? What resonates with you? If you're listening to this audio briefing before January 12th, 2022, please join with other parents at your school for virtual small group discussions about these issues. Follow the link in the Raise Ready Kids email to sign up. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you on January 12th at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm.